Hi, this is Jim Lyon. You're listening to Viewpoint. With me today, my Starbucks friend, Kimberly <laughs> That's Majeski. Right. Hi, Jim. How are you? Hey, I'm fine. And the reason I'm calling you my Starbucks friend is I know that you are a Starbucks fan. Yes, guilty as charged. I mean, now... Kimberly, you have very refined taste. You're not just a pedestrian in life. And yet there are some people who say, oh, Starbucks, that is so overrated. Mm-hmm. That is so like yesterday. No. Uh, I want that craft coffee that yeah. the local mm-hmm. grinder makes around well, the corner, they... not that stock thing with the company around the world. But tell me, why are you a person who is a fan of doing things right? You want to have locally sourced products and all of that. Why do you go to Starbucks? Because Every time I go to Starbucks, no matter where I am in the United States, if I'm out of the country and there's a Starbucks, I can order my drink and it tastes the same. And that's just a comfort that I need. You know, I'm a better Christian if I have the coffee that tastes (laughs) like I want it to every single day. Well, I'll have to say, Kimberly, that's the first testimony I've ever had of somebody <laughs> saying, you know, I'm a I'm a better Christian if I Ooh, get the right I coffee. Am. Listen, if you if you have a coffee thing, it does help the witness, I gotta say. But I'm hearing you say that there's a certain quality of delivery yes, that makes you a fan, a yes. consistency. Yes. And that's why you continue to patronize the store. Mm-hmm. Even though there might be a competitor elsewhere in town who does as well. You may be traveling, and wherever you are in the world, there's a certain thing you can depend upon. That's right. And I know that when I go to a Starbucks store, and and we live here in central Indiana, but I'm from Seattle, which is the home place of Starbucks, there's a certain sense of uh, comfort about it to me. Because when I go into it, it not only has a a quality of delivery, a, a consistency in product, but it also has a vibe, it has a feel in the store that makes me feel at home. It maybe that's because I home. I grew up yeah. with it, maybe, but it just has that consistency of space. I totally get that. And yeah. I don't even like coffee. No. <laughs> but I go there. And in the local Starbucks store near my studio right here, mm-hmm. I usually sit with my back to the window so I don't see the pet smart across the street. <laughs> and I just pretend that I'm back home in Seattle overlooking oh, Puget yeah. Sound. See, there you but go. there's a certain predictability about the space that just gives me a little break. Well, We're not here just to sing the praises of Starbucks, but there are some lessons about that. There's something we can learn, each of us, about life itself when you kind of unpack why is it that this iconic brand has had so much success? What are the principles at work in the people who leave the company and how it's delivered right close to the ground? Kimberly, because I'm a Starbucks guy, and again, I don't even like coffee, but I I have to pitch. If you don't like coffee, it's still worth a stop. Here's why. One, they make hot chocolate with milk. Real (laughs) milk. It's real good. So it's not like mixed up with water. Right. And it's got real milk, and they'll put some whipped cream on it. And so I don't need coffee. That hot chocolate (laughs) works for me. But also, my big squeeze is the chocolate-covered graham crackers. I'm amazed how many people in the world do not know they're there. But just before you check out normally, you'll find them. Two graham crackers covered with dark chocolate. And it's so extraordinary. Here's the mark of how good it is. Mm -hmm. Okay, you got to be with me. Visualize (laughs) with me. The chocolate is so thick that when you bite into the graham cracker, you can see your teeth marks through the chocolate that have encased the cracker. just heaven. The texture, the taste. 
Oh, I, I dwell on small things. I'm just telling you there's something you know, about it. I, when uh, we wake up in the morning and we say to Max, what do you want for breakfast? He wants egg bites from Starbucks. Like this, he's four years old. <laughs> your child. And your that son. tastes like his mother's home table to him is uh, bacon egg bites. All right. So if we're Starbucks junkies, you might say. Then we are. Things that are branded Starbucks or about Starbucks sometimes draw our attention. So I was not long ago in a bookstore and I found this book. It's called It's Not About the Coffee. Lessons on Putting People First from a Life at Starbucks. And there's the big green Starbucks logo on the cover. It's written by a guy named Howard Bahar. He was for many years an executive at Starbucks. And ultimately, he supervised Starbucks expansion outside of the United States, Mm -hmm. from its first stores in Canada to becoming transoceanic to every continent. There's now a big green Starbucks logo somewhere. Think about this. Kimberly, no matter where you go in the world, Starbucks is one of those brands that's so now iconic. It does not need words. It doesn't matter what the alphabet or the language. When you see that green circle, Mm -hmm. then you know what it is. Mm -hmm. That's the power of the brand. But how and why? So Bahar has written this book to make the case that at Starbucks, it's not really about coffee. While they sell coffee, and they're always trying to think of new coffee products and so on, and they have other things to consume as chocolate-covered graham crackers, the whole principle of the business is actually about people. Yeah. And he's making the case from being at the top level of management in the company that there's always been this, this focus on people, helping people be esteemed and respected who they are, where mm-hmm. they are. There's something about that that works. And while Starbucks is not presenting itself as anything more than a business. It does have the ambition to become a sanctuary of a kind, a, a, yeah. a, a retreat from the pressure and the hustle and bustle of life. Even if you're in the drive through which is a big part of their business, you're in your car and you're thinking about the treat you're going to have, and there's a, a kind of decompression that takes place. But if you actually go in the store, it's a place where you can just take a deep breath and not be bothered. You might meet a friend. You might have several friends. You might be by yourself and read a book or the newspaper. Mm-hmm. But it's a, a place that's a respite. And and the coffee and the other product lines are really an excuse almost to take that deep breath and step oh, up. There's okay. something about this model that has had power and influence everywhere it goes across all cultures. Well, in this book, he writes a chapter by chapter expose about how Starbucks developed. And in his second chapter, he said, one of the most important principles about working at Starbucks is you have to wrestle with the proposition. You must know why you're here. Mm, That's good. In the first chapter, he says, you have to know who you are, but it's not enough just to know who you are. You have to know why you're here. Mm -hmm. What am I here to do? Mm -hmm. What's the purpose? And then he unpacks the idea that Starbucks tries to inculcate in all the people they hire that they're part of something bigger, that that they're motivated by a bigger dream, a a huge goal and ambition. This is not just a job. You're not just making coffee drinks so you can get through college or be retired because there are people of all ages that work behind the counter. You're here actually to provide a space in this community Mm -hmm. where people can come and meet and talk. You're here actually to help people have a breath of life because they need to get out of the rat race of their ordinary routine. You're here to help them find something that will give them energy and life itself because they bought that hard-boiled egg (laughs) that has some protein in it and they bought a coffee or whatever. There's something about this idea of big ideas and giving yourself to something larger than yourself and doing the change differently that has power. Okay, now, 
having said all that, Kimberly, you teach at a school. You teach at a university. Yeah. You teach graduate level mm-hmm. and undergrads. You see a lot of people coming through. Most of your students are of a younger generation, but there mm-hmm. are students who are of older age mm-hmm. also coming by. Mm-hmm. You're a student of the scripture, of the Bible itself. Mm-hmm. I've just laid out to you some <laughs> ideas from my local Starbucks. Yeah. Can you think of anything in the scripture where providing service, being a servant, helping create moments for other people, and, and the idea of changing the world by serving them, not buying them off. Is there anything in your scriptural study that comes to mind? Of course, I think of Jesus. I think uh, that Jesus was, of course, the greatest model for servanthood we ever had. And he's also the greatest motivator. He was able to take his life. He was able to take stories and to teach people that, you know, what you think this means isn't exactly what it means. Um, this is what service really looks like. This is what love really looks like. And I guess when you talk about service, I'm drawn to the passage of the 13th chapter of John and uh, that beautiful display of servanthood where Jesus, the Messiah, the hope for the world. The guy who owns the store. That's right. So to speak. Served, got on his hands and knees and washed the f- dirty, disgusting, smelly, stinky, calloused, broken, busted up feet of the disciples. That's what I think about. So, Kimberly, tell us a story from John's Gospel. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet drying them with the towel he had around him. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested, you will never, ever wash my feet. Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Simon Peter exclaimed, Then wash my hands and my head as well, Lord, not just my feet. Jesus replied, A person who is bathed all over does not need to wash, except for the feet, to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you. For Jesus knew who would betray him. That is what he meant when he said, Not all of you are clean. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, Do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I've given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth. Slaves are no greater than their master nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. They say sometimes you win some, sometimes you lose some. And right now, right now I'm losing bad. Stood on this stage night after night Reminding the broken it'll be alright But right now, 
just came It's easy to sing when there's nothing to bring me down But what will I say when I'm held to the flame like I am right now Say it only takes a little faith to move a mountain. Well, good thing a little faith is all I have right now. God, when you choose to leave mountains unmovable, oh, give me the strength to be. Jesus modeled for us a life where he knew exactly who he was and he knew why he came. He came to be a servant of all. Mm -hmm. He is the Lord of lords and King of kings. He's the master of the universe. And yet he said, the greatest among you will be the servant of all. And he modeled that for us. He called his disciples to a world of making a difference. 
he challenged them with the big ideas. We can remake the world. It's a broken place. The famous Sermon on the Mount in Matthew's chapters 5, 6, and 7, for instance, paints a picture of a, of a way of life and attitude and interaction that is not the way of this world. And Jesus was bold enough to say, you know what? We can help make that happen. Come on, follow me. Yeah. And as he's inviting them to follow him, he's modeling for them how the world is going to be changed. It's going to be changed not with an army and not with a lot of high-tech tools, per se, not that we can't use technology for the good. I'm just saying mm-hmm. he, he didn't have a lot of things in his hands. What he had were hands that loved. Yeah. And he was able to give his whole self to serving and modeling for others what it means to do menial things, right. to provide comfort, to provide relief, to provide clean feet, whatever yeah. it takes. And, and of course, we're talking a little bit at the beginning of the program about Starbucks, and I've never had anybody serve me at that level at Starbucks. <laughs> but you know, if a Starbucks store is going to work, the people behind the counter better have this in mind, that they're here to help serve the people who walk in the door. And you know what? I think about this passage, and, and you know this when we preach this passage and think about this passage, you know, what, what this did for the disciples, what this feet washing did was, you know, two things. You don't drag dirt into the room and, and to the table because they're eating with their feet up around each other. But also it's it's refreshment, right? Mm-hmm. And Jesus is saying here, you know, you guys don't, you don't have to have a whole bath, but you've been walking around. We've been going places. We're tired. We're we're worn out. We've we've been we've been going here and there. You've been following me around all over Judea, all over Galilee. We we need some refreshment. Let me do this for you. And when I think about the idea of of refreshment, boy, that's not so far off from what Starbucks does. <laughs> well, or what any of us can do. Um, how many of us have had long days where we just can't wait to get our shoes off? Yeah. And, and there's something refreshing about getting their shoes off and, and maybe just wiping them down. I've mm-hmm. come in from outside running or working in my yard, and I just want to wash my feet. It seems so far removed from our culture, but actually all of us know what that feels That's like. And right. it does. It refreshes us from head to toe right. in a small way. And yet it's it's not something that any of us would think of doing for someone else. Jesus, in the custom of the day, humbled himself, and he modeled for us this servant leadership. Jesus knew why he was here, and that was to give life. I come to give life, he says, Mm -hmm. and to give life abundantly. Jesus is not here, and he's not speaking to you today to rob you of anything except the things that rob you. (laughs) In other words, he just wants to liberate you from the things Mm -hmm. that hold you down, that, that push you back. And and prohibit you from realizing your destiny in God's economy. He wants you to have life, not to rob you of life. That's the enemy of our souls. That's his business. But Jesus came to give life, and here he gave life to his disciples in the most extraordinary way. Sometimes we think that influencing someone is some grandiose, inspirational (laughs) moment of elegant literature or poetry, Mm -hmm. and those things can do so. They can have positive benefit. But all of us have the capacity to do the small, incidental things that others think they're too good to do so that somebody else might be blessed or have life. Sometimes when I'm in my local Starbucks store, someone leaves a cup out or there's a napkin or something, you know, and and the crew behind the counter hasn't been out yet to to sweep through the room, and I find myself picking it up (laughs) and just taking it over to the trash just because, no, this is my Starbucks store. Because even as a customer, Mm -hmm. I know it's a place where I have found life. I want to give some back. Jesus is all about knowing why you're here. Why Mm -hmm. are you here? 
Why were you created? And why are you now living? And is this world better because you walk in it? Are you simply in this world to aggregate for yourself so that you can be comfortable? Do you imagine that somehow you are doing well because you're taking care of yourself alone? Or do you have a higher calling, a bigger idea that no, you're in this world to help redeem it for Jesus' sake? I'm telling you, you can find purpose and power and meaning by coming to the Jesus who washes feet. But you have to be willing to be like him. How do you get there? How do you figure this out? How do I find some satisfaction in life? Well, try this. Pray with us right now. Take a deep breath and pray with us. Father, we thank you for Jesus Christ, for the way in which he is relatable, how we can see him and understand him, and we can follow him, and for the way in which he represents you perfectly. We're thankful for the work he has done already to set us free how he gave his life, even onto a cross, that we might be free to be reborn, to be renewed, reformed, reclaimed, and remade in his own image, that we might have the mind of Christ, that we might walk in this world like he did. And Lord, help us to understand his model of service, that we might be people who serve, that give sanctuary to others, that give respite and life to others, that even in small ways and humble ways, We're always thinking about what we can do to help someone else find life. We pray that the Spirit of Jesus will be in us and that his big ideas for the transformation of the world by serving the world and transforming it by the love proof true in what we do, that that might be in us. We surrender once more, Lord, into your hands, receiving your gift of forgiveness in Christ and asking you to cause us to be born again, that we might live in a new way. For Jesus' sake, amen. If my heart is overwhelmed And I cannot hear your voice I hold on to what is true Though I cannot see If the storms of life they come And the road ahead gets steep I will lift these hands in faith
we want to encourage you to take another step and reach out to us. Let us hear your voice. Call us with your comment, your question, or a prayer request. You can dial this number 24 hours a day, seven days a week, toll free. The number is 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439. But Kimberly, I know some people may not want to just talk to somebody on the phone just yet, may feel a little strange. If they wanted to go online, where would they find us? Sure, you can visit us online at cbhviewpoint.org. And if you send us a message there, we'll respond. That's right, CBH. Those letters stand for Christians Broadcasting Hope. That's who we are, cbhviewpoint.org. At the last, you can just send me a letter. Address it to Jim Lyon, Viewpoint, Post Office Box 2420, Anderson, Indiana, 46018, USA. But whether you call us on the phone, check us out online, or use the post. Please, let us hear from you. Kimberly, always glad to be in your company. Thanks for having a servant heart yourself. Oh, good to be with you, Jim. And we're so thankful that you joined us today, too. And I'm hoping that as you drive by your local Starbucks, and you surely will, that you won't just think of it as a place to buy a coffee, but that you might just connect the dots a little bit and think, wait a minute, at Starbucks, what was that I was hearing about Jesus serving? That's right, service, servanthood, humble service. This is the key to life. When you drive by your Starbucks, just think about Jesus this time. For all of us at the Viewpoint Ministries team, for all of us at Church of God Ministries, which is the host and the owner of our broadcast, this is Jim Lyon. Stay tuned.